Hello, this is Don McPherson, your host of 12 Geniuses. For season 10 of the podcast, I am interviewing a dozen futurists about what life will be like for humans 30 to 50 years from now. Today's guest is futurist Ufuk Tarhan, who comes to us from Istanbul. She joins us to paint a picture of life in 2053. In our conversation, Ufuk talks about the transformative nature of fusion energy, quantum computing, artificial intelligence, and how these technologies should make life better for humanity over the next three decades. We even talk about how a social scoring system like what is currently being used in China could be adopted in other parts of the world. We end our conversation by talking about some of the things that we are doing today that the people of 2073 will look back at in disbelief. Ufuk, welcome back to 12 Geniuses. Thank you. What I'd like to just start with is for you to paint a picture of what do you think life is going to be like 30 years from now? Wonderful. Mostly wonderful. Of course, we will have some problems. We will complain. Indeed, I say we will, and I literally mean I will be there on those years because I would be around the 90s on those years. And I can still hope that I will be active and I will be living in a more civilized, more humanistic, more environmental world on those days. So before going ahead, very quickly, let's remember what were not there 30 years ago, within a few seconds. Uh, on 1990s, beginning of 1990s, we, we didn't have almost nothing that we have today as a normal of our life. So if we think with all these advancements, for instance, there were no, the, the internet, the web page, and so that kind of facilities were, even at not baby steps, they were just at the beginning. They were just arising. So right now, what we have with us, all these technological advancements, we may jump to the 2050s with more beautiful and useful, fruitful tools and procedures and way of life things. So let's start one by one. My first priority will be always energy. And this time I will be more hopeful and I will, I can be saying that on those years, we will be seeing ourselves as solve this energy problem, the clean energy, the very cheap and economic energy will be possible for most of the humanity, the clean energy sources like wind, solar, fusion, hydrogen will be uh, normal. For all of us. So that will open up a very new and possible uh, developments for all of us, like using a usage of quantum computers and supercomputers and ultra light speed internet. And this internet will be cheaper, almost zero co- with zero cost for everyone. If we have these components, these facilities, on those years or on the way which we are going toward those years, then everything will be solved more peacefully and more easily for humanity and for environment as well. Once we will be able to use electricity, the energy, with almost no cost, 
everywhere and it is equally distributed to all people, then we will be able to develop this quantum computing, the internet connection and everything. And this science and technology will speed up. And all these will bring us the solutions in every aspect of life. For instance, health, education, entertainment, social life. The only difficulty that I see we will solve is regulations, the set of rules, the ethical rules, in the laws, the trade laws and social laws. And all these will be, might be problem for us a little bit in those years, still might be problems on those years. But I have again great hopes thinking that if we solve this energy, speed of, speed the internet or large capacity of internet and co- quantum computers and supercomputers, then that would mean that we had the infrastructure of Web3 and blockchain, and that will change our monetary and financial, financial systems, the in, infrastructures, so that we may solve the problem of governance. But at that time, the audience will ask how about artificial intelligence, AGI especially, artificial general intelligence, because the one which we are talking about right now and trying to practice right now worldwide, it is very a common topic issue for all of us. There is a trend of chat GPT. What is, uh, what is it doing? How is it entering exams and passing through them? high scores, etc. But it is still narrow artificial intelligence. I think it's interesting you went back to the 1990s to kind of set a frame of reference for how far we've traveled in in the last 30 years. So that gives you a sense for how we can travel forward over the next 30 years. But just to remind the audience, if you were on a train in 1993, People would be looking down, but they wouldn't be looking down at a phone or a tablet. They would be looking at a book or a magazine. So it was a very analog world. And we made that transition in 30 years and really kind of in 15 years where we made the transition to mobile technologies and even the social technologies in just 15 years. So that has really changed how we live in a very short amount of time. So you know, when you talk about fusion energy and hydrogen and quantum, that seems like science fiction, but it's possible. So I, I will ask you that because you you specifically mentioned energy and there have been some fusion breakthroughs, but do you believe that we will be able to harness fusion technology by 2053? I strongly believe in that we will solve these energy problem as of 2050. Indeed, we have to solve because in in any case, although the world population is getting older and the birth rate is decreasing, we will still be around 10 billion people on earth on those days. And the population is really something to be solved. That many people with that many past and potential problems cannot solve problems without solving first the energy problem. So this is mandatory. Similar to the energy question, you talked about quantum 
And that's very theoretical right now, but in 30 years, who knows? So you you seem quite optimistic that we'll be able to harness quantum computing by 2053. If you think that 30 years ago or 40 years ago, 50 years ago, in terms of computing, data processing, we didn't have anything. For instance, I was when I started to work in my company, in my first tech company, that was not a tech company at all. We were selling 16, I'm not making mistakes, 16 kilobyte computer with 4,000 US dollars. I really don't remember what we were doing with that 16 kilobyte. So within all these years, we're, we're here. If we are here, with such a limited, with such limited sources and expensive sources, then why not we jump to those capabilities in 30 years with that much intelligence, human intelligence and artificial intelligence? So let's, let's go to artificial intelligence and I'll try to link back to what you just said. It's getting a lot of attention now and has for you know, all of this year and and even much of last year. And I just finished Max Tegmark's book, Life 3.0, last night. And there were times where I wanted to put the book down because I was just frightened. And then other times I couldn't read it fast enough because I was so optimistic. <laughs> and I kind of shift between these two, two spaces of, of being very pessimistic. This is the end of the world. This is the end of humanity to this is going to solve all of our problems. So where are you on that continuum and how do you think about how AI will evolve over the next three decades? It depends on what we want really as humanity. I read that book on 2017, as soon as he wrote the book, and I have been impacted by the section prelude. I'm sure you remember the prelude is Prometheus and Omega, the Omega uh, yeah. team. And yeah, Prometheus, yeah. Yes. And it is yeah. the most impressive part for me because as you will think about the book, you will realize that we are in this prelude uh, mood indeed by all this communication and announcement and, and, and many developments are showing us that there is a kind of plan and we are right now moving, uh, moving in, uh, through in it. So, I'm optimistic mostly, but I'm aware of the danger of the usage of AI. AI is really the most important and critical foundation of humanity because we are absolutely trying to create something which is exactly similar to us, which is exactly acting like us. So... We as humans are not so clean and so correct and so good so that we are indeed afraid of the, the really creating an exact copy of us. So we have to create a great awareness about this. Otherwise, yes, this is really very dangerous for humanity and future. But I see humanity came to that dead end point several times in history and may come again, but I believe in that we will overcome in somehow the dangers of the usage of AI. This is still unstable point for all of us, but we are still at the, at the baby steps of it, of it. Right now, it is not an AI completely. We are just practicing. You remember on our last 
episode or CCS, the scientists, the futurists, and many of people are mentioning in future, we will be doing things more easily and more feasibly and so on by the help of AI and robotics and so on. It, we were just talking about it. Right now, we are all practicing a bit of it, just the chat chat part of it. The developers are, of course, seeing the large part of it, the capabilities, but the regular people are just using the techno magazine part of it. It is even not the baby steps. So we are the people, all of us are visualizing what it is. For instance, we did it in COVID time with Zoom connections. Before that time, we were saying that one day we will be communicating through screens and there won't be any need to go to the office and we will not spend time in the traffic and so on. And we will be able to do everything through online communication and so on. But we, till COVID comes and till pandemic make it uh, mandatory, we couldn't realize, visualize what it is, the hybrid working and so on. Right now, the artificial intelligence practices are looking like this. We are just realizing what it might be. So it is really dangerous, might be dangerous for all of us, but we have to, we have to go forward with that and we have to create awareness. So uh, I, I think about two different scenarios and they both can happen. One is the loss of complete loss of privacy. And that bothers me. I, you know, grew up, I'm a little younger than you, but not much younger. So I grew up in the seventies and eighties when we enjoyed a great amount of privacy. And now we've given that up through these digital tools. So that, that bothers me, but also from a manipulation perspective too, I think the AI can be designed in such a way that it can manipulate you to take away some of your free will. So that's, that's one part of it. But the other part that I've had more recently, or the other thought that I've had more recently is this idea of your unconscious brain. So your, your brain is functioning and having you breathe and plump, pumping blood through your body. And you're not thinking about those things. And because you're not thinking about those things, you can think about other things, which is really good. And it enables you to create and I, I started to think about how AI can take over some more of the conscious thoughts that we have, administrative tasks, and really enable us to think deep, deep thoughts and be creative and be more philosophical and, and really free a lot of the day-to-day tasks and, and minor things that we're doing, which is very exciting, right? If you want to do something creative and you want to think about, you know, read different books and, and think about different thoughts that we may not have time for. So from those perspectives, you know, the loss of privacy is downside, enabling deeper thoughts and more creativity is, is very exciting. So I kind of see these different perspectives here. But I want to ask you, you, you've mentioned a couple of times solving problems, health problems, social problems, education. What specifically do you see in 30 years? What, what are the outcomes that we can expect 30 years from now 
in those different problem-solving areas? Number one is education. The education and learning capacity for humans are really painful. So we have to enlarge this by the help of genetics and by the help of the technology. So the help of AI will avail us to learn or to, to realize, analyze more quickly. Our learning and act, analyzing and acting capacity is at lowest right now, according to the possibilities and problems and solution ways. And so we know, we see, but we are not acting accordingly. So we are so slow and so expensive creatures. For instance, for certain tasks, you're eating, you're, uh, there is a working system in it, and it is so complicated, consciousness and physical requirements, biological requirements, and so on. That's too expensive to make some certain tasks. But the robot or the, the uh, other assistants for us can make it with electricity, with some gadgets and so on. That's so simple. So I think we cannot force to load consciousness onto those robots and artificial intelligence. We have to separate being humans and being humanoids. So humans should stay more empowered creatures, organic ones. Inorganic ones should make the regular repetitive tasks. And we should first make this separation at the beginning. We should not copy, completely copy ourselves, including consciousness, to those tools indeed. We should realize that these are tools. These are not copy of humans. So once uh, uh, my mind is working like that, we, sh we should not copy ourselves completely. We should create a very strong assistant, assistance tools for us. That's all. And we have to really put a line in between. Otherwise, when it gets, when it mixed, then the life will be so difficult for all of us because the new regulations, the set of ethical rules and so on, the new metrics, new principles are needed and they will become so complicated. For instance, for robotic laws and robot rights and so on. We are, we are not able to solve even human rights right now. And we have so many difficulties for human race, all the human race. So how are we going to handle all these in the same plate? So I think we have to be a little bit slow we have to slow down our speed according to by considering all these possible problems. And we have to give some time to ourselves to create new set of principles and metrics and KPIs and so that we can go forward. The education is most important step for us to the learning indeed, learning, education, analyzing, processing capacities should be increased and our physical capacities should be increased, we have to give priority for these areas, then we go forward. So the call, let's slow down. There, there happened a letter, as you recall, a few weeks ago or weeks ago, and I agree with them. We have to suspend a little bit the speed of development. That 
doesn't mean that I'm afraid and go over so on, but we need to slow down and think and realize what's going on and what can be uh, possible or not possible for humanity and in all parties of the world. Well, you're talking about regulation and governance, and we can't do this compartmentalized. In my opinion, we have to do this from a global perspective because different countries can have different regulation or different governance on how these tools are used, but that doesn't best serve humanity. And so in order to effectively do this, determine how we are going to use these tools, whether it's AI or, or any of these other tools, and even address climate change, we should be doing it from a, a global perspective and have a, a set of ethical use for these things. And I don't know that that's happening right now. Yes, you're right. But I don't believe in that. No one can have privacy anymore. Privacy is not privacy anymore because and cannot be and should not be. Because at this point and the point that we are talking about 2050s with 10 billion people, already 8 billion people with that many complications, we need to create new way of governance. Governance is really very important. And it seems that in 2050s, the number one economic, economical power will be China. And the second one will be still the United States. And third one is Japan and so on. We may uh, guess this or we can think about that way. If that will be so, and we hear the voice of steps coming toward us by this especially after COVID period, this digital citizenship and social score system will be with us, certainly. And once we have- You're, you're talking about what China is using, their, yes, their and the social scoring system? Yes, that will be implemented to all of us. And this will change everything when we think about governance again. The, the governmental institutions, the nations and so on will be- and, minimalistic importance on all of us. So globally, we have to practice a common way of governance, which is based on social score system and digital citizenship. And we already started for that during COVID time. We all had a kind of mobile, mobile application, which uh, shows our QR codes covering all our data demographic data, even genetic data due to vaccines and test results and so on. We, and we, we gave all these data into the pool and they are there still. And we tested whether we can communicate this information all around the world or not. Yes, we had a common pool of information, uh, demographic information, identity information, and we, can, we could use this information as a passport, a kind of passport, a digital identity is already started. So now the missing part is uh, to regulate the rights and responsibilities, the scoring systems. When I say this KPIs and new metrics, I mean that. So uh, according to criterias, ethical criterias and social criterias and financial criterias, we will be ranked, as we all know this, but with all these complications, 
in all these unequal practices in the world, we really need a, a reasonable metric and a governance system which will protect us. So the chipification and the social score system and digital citizenship will be with us naturally after within 30 years, and it should be indeed. I thought that that is the direction that we are going in. And I would even think, uh, I was even going as far as that our social score would be our currency. So we earn, we earn currency from how we benefit humanity or the, the deeds that we do helping, helping others or, you know, our contributions. And so the gig economy. Yeah. And it, and it would put, you know, we would earn digital currency from elevating our social score or, or our contribution to the best interest of humanity. But I, I can't quantify when that would happen, if it's 30 years, 50 years, 100 years, whatever. But that, that's very fascinating. I want to close with a question on 2073. So the reason why I asked this question is because, you know, recently, the last few years, we've looked back at people in history and practices of history and judged those people or those activities based on the current day the mores and the social conventions of the current day. And with the idea that we're perfect today and we're not, we know that we're not. So in 2073, what will humans of 2073 look back at that we're doing in 2023 and just shake their head in disbelief? I think we can imagine all of us right now, the fuel energy, the, the children will say that, ah, were you using fuel energy? What, what, what a stupid way of it. And the paper, paper usage will be so strange for them. Like the, the stone tablets, they will surprise that we were really writing down something. Even the keyboard will be so, so strange for them. And oh, would, would you travel really so much to see somewhere the holographic and metaverse and even space travel and tourism will be so normal on, on those days. And they will be surprised that we were really physically going somewhere to see and feel. And the, the nutrition ways will be so strange, today's nutrition ways and health conditions, the, the organs and losing organs and incapabilities, the most of the illness, the cancer, uh, that, that famous illness, sickness would be so strange on those days. Of course, we would have, we will have so many new problems because of space travels, for instance, because of environmental problems. Maybe we would at the end see those alliance who were, who are they. And so these are the things that we will not see on those years, most probably. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right on all of those things. And even the, the use of paper currency or coin currency, <laughs> you know, just thinking about in, in 1973, 
doctors smoked and we smoked on planes and, <laughs> you know, just these ridiculous things. I can remember my first international yeah, flight, yeah. 1991, there was a smoking section. Like, yeah. how ridiculous is <laughs> It's a small tube. It's a Unbelievable. How did we do this? <laughs> <laughs> and so, yes, you know, while we have advanced in 2023, we're not perfect and, and the world will certainly look back and shake their heads. One additional thing, the waste of, waste of food and water would be so stupid when we remember these days. Can you imagine one word of all, the, the, the world is having scarcity of water, clean water. That is so stupid. I really don't believe in that. Even for these years, how we cannot solve this problem still. And uh, I think those years will be so interesting to look back. Yeah, it's exciting. And hopefully, I, I, I believe I'm going to be here in 30 years, certainly, and hopefully in 50 years. And I hope you are too. And, and we'll have an interesting conversation then. Yeah, we will see what kind of conversation it will be. Maybe we'll not talk and we will just send energy to each other. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a good future. Ufuk, thank you for your time and thank you for being a genius. Thank you for listening to 12 Geniuses. We will return next week when I interview futurist and author Rohit Bhargava, who will paint a picture of how life on Earth will change over the next 30 to 50 years. Thank you to Richard Jocelyn for producing this show. To subscribe to 12 Geniuses, please go to 12geniuses.com. Thanks for listening, and thank you for being a genius. <laughs>